operator this is mike running it solo without to raf and melon this week uh raf is uh doing god's work overseas right now and he's unable to attend melon is not doing god's work he's doing uh the down unders work and uh enjoying his vacation uh back in lockdown down in melbourne australia Apparently, Australia don't play no shit, and they have 25 cases, so they locked the uh, whole place down. So kudos to Australia. Hope you guys get uh, freed up and you guys get to get back out and enjoy some frothies. But uh, this week, very special guest for a very special person, uh, and a lot of meaning to that sense, is my brother, Jeremy. I'm having him on the show. And uh, with Memorial Day passing uh, this past week, uh, lots of reflection, lots of stories being shared, and a lot of things I hold close to me is uh, service, especially for my family. And I know I talked about that in the last episode, and I thought it'd be proper to bring my my own flesh and, bro- uh, flesh and blood uh, brother on here uh, to talk about uh, brothers in war. Uh, we both served in the military during the War on Terror. And uh, we're going to just uh, kind of interview each other and talk about some uh, some good times, some fun times, and maybe some bad things, too, that will ultimately come with it. But uh, anyway, let's let's get on with it. Welcome, Jer. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit late at night. It's uh, almost 1130, but, you know, it's one of those nights where you just stay up. And, you know, we were just talking about some stuff. Uh, filling in you know you, you don't really talk too much here and there throughout the weeks we're both busy and then just catch it up on life with projects and kids and all that stuff and you got some good stuff going for you yeah it's been pretty busy i can tell you that much it's nice to sit down and have a talk with you um this ain't the first one i've done but it's one of the first few i've done so it's a new experience for me to be on here talking like this uh openly with my brother and uh having an audience <laughs> yeah well i i think i think some people are going to get some stuff out of it man and you know i know we've had some heart to hearts before and some tough times and um we'll kind of get into that but uh you just i don't know want to tell tell the listeners kind of your your background and you know uh where you grew up i mean everybody knows you're a yinzer i mean if and for the people listening especially in australia okay this this is a yinzer by heart his accent is still very much there than mine. Uh, so if you need a translator, just uh, make sure you hit us up and I'll tell you what it means. But <laughs> hey, they know they know who the Steelers are, no matter where. You know, I've been all over the country, all over the world. Everywhere I go, there's a Steelers flag, a, a terrible towel somewhere. It, the craziest places you see them. So um, that's what I keep telling everybody, man. You know, and uh, you know, Mellon and his family, they're Steelers fans. I sent them some some t-shirts and some stuff from when I was home on Christmas and sent it out to them. And they look, they look damn good in the, that black and yellow. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good city. It's a little city, but it's a good city. Yeah. It's one of the best, you know, especially our sports teams, you know, when they want to be good, they're good. Um, but it's, it doesn't matter if they're good or bad. Everybody loves them no matter what. Yeah. You know, I, I always take the pride in coming from Pittsburgh uh, because it's a working class city. It's a hard city. And it's like, you know, whether you're, whether you play the Steelers, the Penguins, uh, I don't think the Pirates this year, I don't think they're doing anything but making a joke of themselves from what I saw. But, uh, you know, coming from Pittsburgh, it's a hard-nosed town, and there's, like, the term smash-mouth football. Well, I, I think that could be smash-mouth of anything. You come from Pittsburgh, you take some pride in it. and uh, Yeah, and you can take that seriously, smash-mouth. You can take out the wreck, too, because that's, that's how these people are around here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's you're right, man. Uh so anyway, besides the Yinzer in you, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, uh, I'm the big 4-0, hit the 40 this year. Uh, you know, uh, keeping busy in life. I served in the military um, from 2000, the end of 01 until 2009. Um, I'm medically retired from 
getting injured overseas in combat in Iraq. Um, uh, before that, um, you know, high school class clown, <laughs> uh, calling my mother into the office every day, if not every other day, you know, um, I'm sure you know about that. You've been around long enough to see that mess. Uh, but, um, you know, anyway, uh, school, uh, our dad was a plumber. Um, I kind of started to follow in his footsteps, worked at the same company, was going to go to school, did a couple courses on plumbing and stuff and decided I didn't want to stick my hands in shit no more for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we've seen our dad do that long enough and, uh, you know, a good hardworking man, but that wasn't the life I wanted. And, um, I actually didn't even know what I wanted to do. I wasn't one of them guys and kids in school that was like, Oh, I want to be in the military. I want to be a cop. I want to be this or that. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I just know I didn't want to plumb no more. Um, so, uh, my mother and I was walking down a strip mall one day doing some shopping. I think I was probably 16, 17 years old. And a recruiter, uh, came up to me and said, Hey, you look like a young, strong, healthy man. What are you doing with your life? And I said, I'm, plumbing <laughs> so uh, long story short um i kind of blew it off kept working as a plumber for a while then you know it was uh life got weird you know doing some wild things drinking hanging out the wrong crowd and uh you know that that kind of stuff wasn't different for me the way i grew up you know my mom and dad i seen them do a lot of crazy stuff in their younger days uh so you know I was kind of following in that path and, you know, I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it, but I knew that's where it was going. So I knew I had to do something and, uh, something with structure and a schedule. Uh, and that's what I needed. So that's when I went to the military and, uh, loved it. You know, I'd still be into this day, you know, having gotten injured in combat. I, I still would be into this day. I'm sure until the day I retired putting 20 or 30 years in, um, but that's how it worked out. So, uh, here I am now retired. Uh, I got three kids all together, two boys and a girl at 17, two boys are 11 and 12. Um, you know, and, uh, I was married, got divorced. Um, that was a lot of PTSD issues that caused that among other things. Um, now I got a wonderful girlfriend, uh, been together two years, getting a house together. We have dogs, you know, get the kids a lot, do a lot of stuff for them. And I'm trying to get them full time uh, since I need to be with their dad so I can teach them how to, you know, do man things. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know what, what I'm talking about when I say that they ain't getting taught man things in their, in their house, current living situation. <laughs> yeah. Man things are, uh, yeah, I think we, I think we both grew up with man things. Uh, you were more of the gearhead with dad and getting out there and, you know, putting your 10 cars that you had together before you were 17 and spray painting them and fixing them. And I was out running around in the woods, hunting or crawling around, stealing all your camouflage and stuff with you. That, that, you know what? That's exactly what I wanted to touch on. Um, <laughs> I remember when I first joined, it was a reserve unit. I was one weekend a month, you know, and come that one weekend a month where I had to go do drill, I go to get my bag and all my shit's scattered through the cover shit's missing i'm like where is all my stuff at where is everything you know hey dad where's that oh i don't know him and his buddies right in the woods no wonder he took all my shit out of my bag go in the formation looking like a wreck dirty you know and he thought it was funny the whole time playing in the backwoods you know <laughs> so i mean that was yeah. one thing it i was like pissed about but it was funny at the same time so you know right well uh I, i've said it before in this podcast but you know we're, we're about seven years difference uh between us so i always said that my brother was uh the point man in life and just hit every landmine going through it for me so i could kind of walk behind him safe <laughs> <laughs> and you, that, that's the absolute truth man that's a good way to put it um, I mean, you looked at me and seen what not to do, and you looked at me and seen what to do better. So, I mean, at least I, uh, at least I was a role model in some way, shape, or form. You know, when I wasn't beating the shit out of you, or uh, you know, getting the shit beat out of me with metal objects. You know, so. Yeah, well, that was a lot of love and caring. I mean, and somebody had to hold you accountable too, even though I was 
foot and a half smaller and a hundred pounds lighter, but yeah. we did that. Well, that's why you're a tough guy. You are now nowadays, you know? Um, yeah. Somewhere along there. Yeah, I think so. I, I have less scars or whatever, but, uh, yeah, all. that's one thing I never, you never had no scars for me. I mean, maybe mentally or emotionally, but <laughs> I actually got physical scars from you. Um, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so quick story about my brother and I, uh, I, I, he thinks I like took his CD, which I used to occasionally. He had some good music. So I, I'd occasionally borrow a CD and he came home one day and was just flipping mad. And, you know, I'm super small. And uh, we came down uh, downstairs in the, into the bedroom and my ceiling had like these tiles with the metal things around it. Well, he's way bigger than me. What are you, my brother's, you know, he's 6'4". You're probably like 6'2 at the time. I'm, I'm pushing like 5'1". I was just a kid. But uh, after a while, I didn't take no shit. So uh, he came after me, you know, was beating up on me. I had enough of it. And uh, I ripped down the thing from the ceiling and came after him. He just got this brand new tattoo right on his forearm that he was so proud of that our parents had to sign off to, to get him to get. And he was showing it off. And I sliced perfectly right through that sucker until this day. He's got this big white mark through it. And that's, <laughs> that's me. That's your little brother. <laughs> yep, it's a good reminder of where that came from. Every time I look at it. <laughs> good way to humble your ass. Hey, you know what? Even the biggest, baddest people need to be humble nowadays, I guess. Right. <laughs> that's right. So you joined the army, right? So you got in around, yeah. End of, end of 01 somewhere around there you got in and 9-11 kicked off and you know all that was kind of going on and I know for me I told you before my, my eyes were on you because um you know here I saw my big brother this troubled kid that lived in the principal's office uh you know now he's putting on a uniform and he's going to do something especially after our country's been attacked and wanting to go to the army and and uh, to the infantry and stuff like that. It was just uh, very eye-opening, even as a kid. And I was just very passionate, patriotic. Uh, and I carried that for for a long, long time, especially after 9-11. Um, uh, what made you want to go into the infantry and, and the Army? Uh, you know, honestly, man, I had a lot of, per se, job skills, you know, from, from our dad teaching you know, me a lot of things through like working on cars, carpentry, plumbing, you know, et cetera. And um, I figured if I'm going to go to the army, I want to go to the military for what it's for. And that's to defend the country, not for a free college ride. Uh, I was never in, interested in college and all that, um, which might be a downfall for me, but I don't look at it that way. I did something else instead. Um, but I went, I went to the infantry uh, because I wanted to be the guy actually making a difference. Um, well, trying to make a difference. Uh, I'm kind of nuts. I'm a big dude. Don't really scare much about anything. Um, I think that, that would be the perfect place for me to go. And it was, you know, um, so, uh, you know, I couldn't have made a better decision than, you know, doing that. It, that was the right time. You know, I did it right at the right time in my life. Cause it was, uh, it was that turning point where it's either I'm going to go down path a, which I've been going down and it's just going to get worse or stop there and do a new path and do this and have some structure and sense and honor and integrity in my life. So it did a lot for me. And, uh, and I still use a lot of the skills of this day of everything that I learned and uh, did and, and hope to pass on to my kids, even though I don't want them to go into the military because that's why I did it so they don't have to. Um, and I hope they see it that way. And if they want to join, I'd be proud of them, but I try to discourage them from it, you know, I, cause I know what it is, been there, done it. And, uh, got the scars and everything else to go along with it to prove it. So, uh, you know, for me, I wanted them to have the college education, um, the good life, have some money, get what they want, do what they want, do all the things I never got to do or have. So, uh, you know. Well, I remember being at your boot camp graduation out there in uh, what, Kentucky. Yeah. They sent me to Kentucky cause I had a different MLS first and then, down to Fort Benning, Georgia. But yeah, I remember that. I remember that day very clearly when you guys came down. Why don't you tell them about the car ride down? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I was just uh, with grandparents in there and everybody else arguing over directions every five minutes and had to stop. I don't know how many times to go to the bathroom. And I'm 
Um, don't forget to tell him it was a 1967 Oldsmobile Delmont 88, a big boat. <laughs> a blue boat of a vehicle that was just, what, 425 engine in it. Yep. Dad's trying to do 125 with grandma and everybody in there just going at it. And I'm in the back. I mean, there was a lot of you guys in that car. There was my girlfriend at the time, you, mom, dad, grandma, and pappy. It was a clown car. That was a lot of people in that car. Yeah. But I remember, dude, I remember, you know, where you were and then you got out and you joined the army and your boot camp graduation day. It's kind of that surreal moment because you came out and I mean, you were just a beanpole, but you were, you were fast. I remember we were doing push-up competitions right there in the, in the parking lot of the hotel we were staying at and, you know, just, just all of it. And it was just like, looking at you, you were like GI Joe to me. Like that was like, man, that's, that's my big brother. You know, like I was just extremely proud of what you did and, and who you became, you know, from high school and that monster versus <laughs> who you became in this uniform. And I was just, I, I couldn't stop talking about you. I was just looking up to you all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's always a good, good thing to hear. And, uh, you know, and if I could go back and change things, I would, you know, we all would. Um, I wish I wouldn't have did things, said things, whatever, you know, um, all you can do is move forward and, uh, you know, try to have a better relationship as you get older, you know? Yeah. Well, so yeah. 2002, you know, you got in really going and everything, and then you got orders to go to Iraq in 2005. Uh, what, what do you remember thinking about, when you got told like hey you're being deployed to iraq uh i was excited i you know i was waiting i knew it was coming i was just i was just waiting you know i needed it i wanted it and um you know i got finally got the orders i was just happier than anybody could be <laughs> and you know when it came home and i told mom about that that's when it kind of got a little bit surreal is because you know, she brought up some points like, you know, you might never come back. You come back disfigured or whatever, you know, and that, you know, some of that stuff sank in and that hit, um, that hit hard for a little while and made me think, but, you know, whatever inside me was like, you know, that's the chance I took when I signed the line, you know, that mm -hmm. we all do when we join. Uh, but, um, you know, it was exciting. I was like, oh, I'm going to go see this new world, this whole new place that I see on TV and hear about, and you know, all this bad stuff happens. And maybe I can go do something, put my little two cents in to change something. Um, I don't know if I did or not, you know, yeah. I've met a lot of nice people over there though. So yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give yourself two cents, maybe one, maybe one. Yeah. Well, you might be right on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you got over there, what was it, uh, May or June of 05 you deployed, if I remember? Uh, we got there April, May, June, July. It was like uh, the end of, end of May, beginning of June. Or no, I think it was beginning of May we got there because we was doing training up in Fort Irwin, uh, uh, desert warfare training. And then we got like a week of leave, and then we, we shipped out um, – and that was a nightmare. That plane ride over from Bangor, Maine to, to uh, Ireland, then to uh, Kuwait. That was just the worst plane ride I think I've ever had. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I got there. Uh, I was there a few months. And, I mean, within a few months that I was there, that was uh, – it was crazy. I mean, it, they dropped this right in the Sunni Triangle. Um, my area operation was Fallujah, Habania, Ramadi. And it was just like all the places you hear about and see on TV and – I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going right in the middle of it. So, but, you know, again, me, I'm all excited. Like, okay, I'm not going to be over here stuck in some fob somewhere um, doing nothing. I'm actually going to go out and do some stuff. And, you know, I forget exactly how many missions I've got to run before uh, my injury happened, but it was, it was a lot, you know, my favorite were night, night ops, you know, would do all that. That was, that was the best. Uh, I did a lot of driving for our commander he always tagged along with us. Um, so driving with night vision goggles on, I was excellent at it. Um, so they picked me to do that for the commander. He was in my truck. Uh, so that was, there was a lot of things that we got to do. It was great. Um, again, you know, when the injury happened, that was, that was a whole 
turning point in the game. Um, so what? So what? What kind of happened with that? Like, where were you? Like, I, I I know, but so so the listeners and people can kind of hear and understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, we was doing a uh, a cordon and search where he's going to block an area of a town off and go do a search on a couple buildings that we had some intel that there was uh, suspected bomb makers inside these buildings. So we're going to go block it off, do a search uh, slash raid. It was more of a search at the time. Um, we got there. It was sun was just starting to go down. Uh, and I'm next to the Humvee while the rest of the team is in the building doing their search. I'm next to my truck, do, you know, standing guard for the trucks and outside. And uh, I felt it before I heard it aloud. It was a sharp pain through my left arm and shoulder area. Uh, I didn't even know what happened at first, but then I heard the bang like three seconds after I felt it. Uh, I got hit with an enemy sniper um, across the street. He was up on a rooftop and uh, he had a uh, Dragunov sniper rifle, which is 7.62 millimeter that went through my left uh, bicep all the way through and lodged into the upper receiver, my M4. <laughs> um, and at that time, all hell broke loose. Uh, the gunners up on the 50 cows, you know, they they turned the turrets and, you know, started leveling buildings down. And it was just a pretty bad gunfight. And I'm laying over the hood of the Humvee shooting with one arm. <laughs> I emptied uh, like four or five of my mags before I got drug into the truck and didn't even realize it hit the uh, artery in my arm and I was standing in a pull of my own blood and uh, our medic was like, you know what, get in the truck, we got to go. So uh, he threw the tourniquet on, got me in a truck. We took a single truck back through the MSR to the field hospital and I, you know, that was the end of it. I blacked out, passed out, was done. Um, I thought I was dead. <laughs> uh, but it was just a lot of blood loss. So they had to do blood transfusions and uh, all that stuff. Um, I pulled through, you know, luckily I had a good guy that was with me and knew what I was, knew what he was doing, stopped the bleeding, you know, all that stuff. Um, so it was a hell of an experience, you know, that, you know, I didn't know what the hell to do with myself, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. You know? So if I remember, they, they took you to a, a Marine uh, expedient field hospital, got you there to initially just kind of stop the bleeding, make sure you were good. And then they shipped you off back to Germany. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, they sent me to a Marine forward operating base. It was called uh, Camp TQ, which is short for Takatum, uh, which is kind of across from across the Euphrates River from where our base was. Uh, then from there, they flew me up to, uh, I think it was Balad, Iraq, which is another uh, medical base. And they stabilized me more there. And then from there, I went to Germany. I was there for a few weeks and uh, got shipped back to the U.S. Uh, so... so there was a there was a very interesting satellite phone call that took period at, at one of those uh, points. And, that was uh, <laughs> yeah, that was to from you to mom. Yeah. And uh, to put it in my perspective where I was, I was on vacation with my friend John down in North Carolina and I was just getting back and I was walking up the stairs. I walk into the uh, to mom's place. And mom is on the middle of the floor, living room, like just bawling harder than I ever saw her cry in her life. It literally looked, she got, she got bear maced. Her eyes were swollen, almost shut. Her face was going. She couldn't like, there, I don't even think there was any more tears coming just because of how hard she was crying. And I, I rushed in, I dropped my bag and I came in, I grabbed her. I was like, mom, mom, what, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was, what, 05? I was 17 at the time. Yeah, you was not even 18 yet, so. Yeah, and I grabbed mom, and I was like, mom, what's wrong? Tell me, tell me, tell me. And she couldn't even talk for, she couldn't even get it out. And she's like, you're, 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 you're br 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 brother. And I was like, oh, my God, what happened to Jeremy? And and she's just, he, 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 got, sh he got shot. And then the phone rang. Some Army personnel were calling. Uh, it was this colonel. And he called and was telling the story. I was right there with mom. And all she would cared about was like, where is my son? Is he okay? He called me. And I was like, he called you, mom? Like during this whole thing, I was like, what do you mean he called you? He called me on a satellite phone and told me he got shot. 
And then this army colonel called and said that he was in a roadside bomb and he has injuries to his head and this whole other story. And she's thinking that you got shot, then you were getting transported and then you got blown up again. And she's like, I don't know if he's alive. I don't know, whatever. Um, anyway, I I've never seen mom in a more worse state than, than that was. I'll never forget, forget that, but I was glad that I was there. And then I just remember it was days before, like, we got straight notification and the army actually called and admitted that they messed up and mixed around your story and another soldier, I guess that was in your unit that got blown up and they switched the stories. Yeah. Um, I just know on my dying bed that I had to call mom. I had to be the one to tell her what happened. So she hears me because I knew first off if she didn't hear from me and somebody from the army called and said, you know, what happened? I mean, we both know our mother. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I made sure I had a way to use a sat phone and, uh, you know, make that call to her. I didn't, I couldn't stay on long, but, uh, I told her just told her what happened. I'm fine. I'll be all right. You know, um, you know, it was kind of messed up, you know, to hear that the army screwed that up and that's, you know, that, that's a thing you don't screw up. But uh, then again, that's the army for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, as you're, to be real here, as you're telling that story, I never, you know, it kind of made me emotional right now. You telling that story because I don't, I didn't think taking effect of how it made, you know, my family feel to hear that kind of news. Um, you know, I wasn't there to see, you know, you, you know, you probably felt like you just, your brother got killed, you know. Um, from the way mom was doing, you know, so, you know, that's emotional to hear about that um, from that side, that point of view, because I've never sat and actually listened to it or thought about it. So, uh, oh, you know, I mean, it's, I that's was, a thing, I'm sure. And I feel bad that I, you know, joined and put mom through that and everything like that. But hey, I made it out. You know, everything's good. Well, I, I was glad at the time I was there for mom in that moment and she didn't sleep i think for about three days like she, i'm sure yeah, i'm glad you was there too like yeah she, she she would close her eyes and then she'd wake up crying again she's like i can't i see i keep seeing his face i just need to hug him they just need to send him to me and i can fix him i can hug him that's all she kept saying and uh i all i could do is just hold her hand and hug her and just you know reassure her that you're gonna be all right and I remember talking about emotions, you know, I was just focused on mom, but I remember the first time I was kind of by myself. Um, I was, I was mad. I was enraged because I looked up to you as like my GI Joe, my big brother. And then these animals over there hurt my big brother. And I wanted to go into military well before this, but at this point, I remember sitting there thinking like, well, I need to get like, it was only time holding me back, but I was like, I'm going over there and I'm going to get vengeance for my brother and what you did to him and my family. And I remember just being so angry for probably a straight week. Like just, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I, I was just so focused. I sat there in, in school, just stone faced, thinking about some really nasty stuff about what I wanted to do to them. And uh, yeah, but that emotional side, man, that was just what a ride. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I mean, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, if that was you, I mean, that, that would be horrible. I, I don't know. I hope I never have to hear that day or have that happen, you know, because um, I don't know if I'd be any better than our own mother would be. <laughs> when it comes to that aspect, you're, you're, you're 100% better than that, than, than I'd ever be, you know, I'm, I don't know what to do with consoling somebody, you know, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just my mentality, not that I don't care, or don't have feelings. It's just, I don't know how to handle that stuff so i think you did a good job and you know with mom and dad going through a divorce at the same time you know that was a lot for everybody and uh yeah you know, it was a rough time but it it uh forged a lot of things you know for a head uh, a lot of good things you know um yeah. no uh so moving past 
you did come home and you're bandaged up. And I remember we went down to the airport in Pittsburgh and you, you got off the plane and came walking off your arms all bandaged. And I don't, I don't think mom ever ran or squeezed as tighter than, than I ever saw her when she finally got to hold you and everything, man, it was just like, she, she couldn't have been more happy or yeah. I, there's not a word for it. No. I mean, I got the picture. I forget who took the picture, but I got a couple pictures and it was that moment. Uh, you know, she was hugging me and uh, like <laughs> her, her face is all red and swollen. Her eyes were closed, you know, and it was a horrible picture. I looked like, you know, I didn't have no meat left on me for being in the hospital for so long. And, you know, I was skinny as all hell. And, uh, you know, I was in the condition I was in, but yeah, that was a hell of a, uh, that was a hell of a time. I know that. <laughs> yeah. So. I, uh, I remember, you know, after that you got home and you were trying to get situated and, you know, you're just like, I just want to have food. You know, like you said, you're skinny. You're like, I just want to eat good food. Like I'm tired of hospital food. I'm, you know, all this other stuff and wanted to have fun and just like, kind of like enjoy life and you know, all that. And, um, yeah. I remember you, had, you, they sent your body armor home and some of your stuff and there was like blood on it where they cut it off of you. And yeah. And I remember I would sit there and like, look at it and, uh, and just think about it. I, I remember I took it to school. Um, remember Mr. Huzar, Carl Huzar. Yeah. yeah he's good, man. He, he, yeah. He texted me on Memorial day, by the way. So Carl Huzar is, is our old, uh, history teacher from high school. And, uh, he knew both of us and, our, uh, Jeremy came in and spoke one time about his service after he was wounded and kind of talked about it and shared it. I think it was around Veterans Day. I think you came in and brought your body armor. And I remember just the feeling in the room of just like, wow, like this is, it really hit home because everything on the time was, you know, we grew up in a semi-small town and everything on TV was just TV. And it was like, okay. And it was make-believe until like somebody came in and injected in your life about what, what really happened. And you know, two people was you and then uh, Buzz. Remember Buzz Bryan? Buzz, yeah, yeah, I know Buzz. Yeah, and he was a uh, chief chief Navy corpsman and then with the Marines in Fallujah, and he came in and told his story about some stuff too. But I remember just the both you and the effect that you guys had on the high school classes, and I got to sit in there, and again, I was just beaming with pride because I was like, "That's my freaking brother." You know what I mean? It's like it was yeah. great. Well, and that, that goes. That's the same way now. You know, um. I'm done. I did my time and it happened. And, you know, to see you doing what you're doing, I couldn't be more happier for you. You know, I could be more prouder of somebody than I am of you. Um, you know, I've always been, uh, and it's just like, I'm glad you're excelling in all that you do. And, uh, and you've got a good career, you know, you keep pushing forward. That's all you can do, you know? Um, and I'm glad that I kind of started, this military tradition in our family i i, I kind of hope it keeps going through our kids in a way like i know i said i don't want my kids to join the military on the other hand i kind of do because we didn't really have a military family uh, per se i mean our pap was in the army for like two years or something um you know it wasn't in combat or nothing uh uncle robert he was a marine uh he was i forget where he was he's a pow korea yeah and then uh yeah yeah, he was a POW, and then uh, our other uncle, he was in Vietnam in the Marine Corps. He got killed, I think, in Da Nang or something. So, I mean, there was a little bit of military history, but nothing recent. Um, so it's nice to finally start a tradition that is something good, you know, to see my younger brother uh, go into the military and excel past what I, you know, did even. Um, so that's, that's a proud thing to see. Yeah, I talked about that. So in our last episode for Memorial Day, you know, I was telling people to share stories about the fallen and experiences and make sure the next generation knows and understands it. And, you know, I think it was, uh, I think it was Ronald Reagan that was talking about it, but he was just like, you know, freedom is not, uh, freedom is not guaranteed. It must be earned by every generation. Uh, and that torch gets passed on, you know, from, from you, from me, down to the next generation of understanding why this needs to continue and happen. And, um, you know, I don't think anybody wants their kid to really go to the military and be in harm's way. Right. But I know, I know what you're saying. Like I'm not a dad, but 
I know we've talked about it, but it's just like, how, like you couldn't be more proud to see someone stand up and be more selfless because we did it and we understood what we were giving up and what we were risking. Uh, especially going into not, not just joining the military, but then when you join during wartime in the military, and then when you join a combat unit during wartime, it's just like, yeah, you get the triple whammy there. Yeah. yeah you're, you're asking for it, you know? So um, yeah, I, I hope one day that, uh, you know, in some way, form or fashion, you know, the boys or uh, you're, you know, or your daughter or my kids or anything will uh, one day be like, I'm ready to take the torch and I'm willing to and do it. And I will, you know, I'll be there, you'll be there and we'll be there in our old man uniforms and be there at their graduations and be, be there to, to pass on the torch. So I think that's something very, I think that's awesome, man. But if yeah. it happens, it happens. If it don't still love yeah. them, still proud of them. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, um, after, dying nearly and all that you know you have a different perspective on life with things you know you're here once and it's a very short time uh and when you have a experience like that that just kicks it into overdrive like you got to live your life you got to stop you know put the negativity aside negative people bad attitudes you got to try to get rid of all that take it out of your life and uh keep yourself busy you know move on find hobbies you like to do start a business teach your kids uh, teach other people everything you can learn more learn everything you can till the day you die um, you know it, it doesn't end like it, it, there could be a lot of tragedies in people's lives and it doesn't mean that's the end of your life because you had a tragic uh, you know experience with something um, I think you build off that and you get stronger whenever you have that and uh, you know hopefully nobody not everybody has to have a tragic experience to enjoy life and you know get the best out of it but somebody like me in my situation yeah it definitely made me uh more appreciative of life itself and you know family and uh you know that's the best thing to have because um, family's always going to be there no matter what you know you fight you know like we did you know we had our we had our times of not talking or when we was kids beating the shit out of each other over stupid stuff whatever and uh you know but you got, there's some time you come to your life and you just come to a point in life where you're like, I'm not going to let this shit bother me. I'm not going to fight with my brother or with my mother, or whoever over, over some stupid shit, you know, get, get over it, move past it and uh, let that shit go, you know? Oh yeah. No, I mean, I don't know if I brought it up, but I mean, there was a period where, you know, we didn't talk for two and a half years, like not even a text message. Didn't see, like didn't see each other at holidays. Like, nothing and i just remember i felt bad about it but we were just kind of on our own paths at that point and we had to take care of what we had to take care of and um work on ourselves i guess and we just weren't compatible at the time i never yeah. loved you any less uh but i know that hurt mom a lot of just being you know all she ever said is that i just want my boys to be together and be happy and uh you know don't waste time you know i've said that a lot of time but just don't waste time yeah. Yeah. She's right. You know, sometimes you look at the old lady, like <laughs> you're crazy, you know, <laughs> you're, like, you're getting all sappy and, you know, just stopping this shit. But then, you know, when you're home alone and thinking about things like, you know what, that is my brother. Um, and I, I wish I didn't go through that period and not talking to him for two years because I was fucked up or I had problems or took something the wrong way, you know, but that, that's, what, that, that goes back to what I was talking about before, but you know, having fallouts with your family or somebody close to you, you know, you, you just shouldn't do it, you know, cause tomorrow's never guaranteed for any of us. Um, yeah. You know, so. So you, you mentioned it earlier that, you know, during the period you got back and first relationship you had and everything, but you know, PTSD of being wounded and, and coming back and, you know, adjusting to that stuff. Um, there's a lot of people that, you know, we've, we've had like Kenny on here and some other people who've been wounded and talked about PTSD and yeah. Kenny had a great perspective about things and how he kind of got through it and, um, steps he took things he realized, you know, whatever, like, what are some things that you went through after that portion when you got home, 
dealing, you know, with surgeries, how, what they did, the VA, like how your life was different at that point. How do you had to adjust? Oh man, it, it was a crazy time in life. You know, there was a lot, it was an emotional roller coaster. Um, like I've never had before, you know, um, here I am, I'm this younger kid, you know, well, I'm like young, I think at the time after I spent a year at recovery, you know, after my injury, I was in the hospital for uh, five months in a hospital bed, uh, surgery after surgery. Um, and I was at this uh, army base in Georgia at the uh, army hospital there. And I was there for just over a year for surgeries and recovery and everything like that. And when I got to go home, you know, they, I got a large sum of money, 75 grand from soldiers group life insurance deposit into my account. So here's this 32 year old kid that got back from more that just about died. And you just put $75,000 in my bank account. Um, you know, I look back on that every day and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, why did you do what you did with that? You know, you could have done so much more with it. Um, I went down a dark hole with drinking, um, never did illegal drugs, but they had me on opiates for pain, you know, painkillers and all that, the highest ones you could think of, um, you know, and I was doing those every day, all day and drinking on top of it. And it was because to numb everything out, the PTSD issues and stuff like that. And the reality of what actually happened to me and what happened to some, you know, friends of mine that I served with, you know, that, that shit sticks in your mind. But, um, you know, I didn't get out traditionally like somebody else would get out. Like you go do your tour, Afghanistan, Iraq, wherever you come home, you get transit, you have a transitional period, how to readjust back to civilian life or back to your military base or wherever you're, you know, stationed at. I didn't have none of that. They, it was like, I'm in war, common combat one day, I'm shot the next, I'm in a hospital the next week. I'm back in the United States, surgeries, hospital, out, back in the civilian population. And it, it just really fucked with my head on top of everything else. So that was like a really hard thing to deal with, um, trying to figure all that out. And I was stubborn. I didn't want to talk to doctors, didn't want to talk to therapists, didn't want to do none of that stuff. I did it a few times and kind of shoved it away. Um, and I caused more issues. Like I said, I came home, things were crazy for a while. I settled down, got married uh, to my two sons' mother. We was married for seven years. Um, you know, we dated three months, she got pregnant. I figured I got to do the right thing. We got married, had another kid. Um, and that relationship wasn't so bad, um, but it wasn't the greatest either. It just, it was just a shotgun wedding because she got pregnant and I thought it was the right thing to do. And, you know, the PTSD comes and goes, I'm good for a while, then I'm not, you know, locking myself in a basement, not wanting to go to functions with the family to do stuff, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, ended up getting divorced. Uh, that was a big part of the reason why I got divorced is, you know, the pain pills, the, the PTSD, not having that treated, none of that stuff. Um, and after I got divorced, the kind of took, I kind of took time to myself to do some self-therapy work and talk to some other people that could help me with things. And, you know, it didn't really straighten me up all the way, but it's enough to get myself on the right path and uh, say, Hey, you got to realize what you're doing here. You're, you're, you're fucking up. You're doing the wrong shit, you know, get it together. And at 40 years old, I think I can say I got it together. I don't drink really, don't do drugs, don't take pain pills. You know, I tend to my kids all the time. Uh, they're, they're the main things in my life. Uh, the girl I'm dating, hopefully be marrying her. Um, you know, having a house. Don't say that too loud. <laughs> well, she's not here where she can hear me. She's downstairs. So. Um, <laughs> no pressure. But, uh, you know, like I said, everything was rough, you know, it was tough. It was good. Then back to tough again. So that's just how life is. And you got to learn how to deal with it. You know, we evolve as we grow and get older and, you know, you find new ways to overcome different things, you know? So who were, who were the, you mentioned, like you, you talked to some people and I, you know, who were these people that kind of like took you under their wing and 
kind of talk to you about things and everything like yeah actually that's a good question because i think i talked to you at one point and kind of was talking to you about what it, you know what was going on and how i was feeling and you know he's like maybe reach out to a pastor or a priest or somebody in the church or somebody so actually i did and i found the guy he was a vietnam veteran and he was a, a pastor at a local church and i went to meet him at king's and he sat down and he said jeremy i'm here to listen to you tell me what's going on and i'll give you my best advice and help you any way i can that was the first thing i ever did to like you know, have accountability for myself and my own actions and what I was doing. Uh, Cause he told me how it was. He said, you keep going on this path you're on. You're not going to make it. You're not going to be nothing. You're not going to make it nowhere. All that, all that stuff you did in the military, all the people you made proud, you know, that's going to be the end of it. That's going to be all you ever did with your life. And he said, you don't want to do that. You got so much more ahead of you, so much life left ahead of you to do bigger things. And uh, you know, at the time I'm sitting there thinking, you're just blowing smoke up my ass because you're trying not to get me to do something else worse or whatever. But, you know, if you actually listen and let it sink in, which is a lot of people, a lot of guys and people that have PTSD, they don't want to hear nothing. You know, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't believe nothing. Nobody said, um, but you have to let somebody, the right person will get into your mind and help you. Um, and that's what it took for me. It took just one person. He was there. He was in the military. He was a man of God, you know, so, that was a powerful figure to me and somebody to give it to me real um you know and having talks with you i've talked to you quite a few times about things and you know my own my own mother which i really don't do often but if i have to talk to my brother or my mother about some personal things and it's pretty serious because i i'm not a talker like that so um yeah there's always got to be somebody you can talk to so yeah i mean yeah raph and melon that are on here like we talk every week and you know, we talk about some, some hard topics and, and going, but, you know, we talk about that strong circle about friends and, and family and everything else. It's just like, there's a, I know a hundred percent that I could call any one of them and be like, I'm having my worst day and I need, I need you right now. And they'd be on a flight they'd be driving. They'd be like, Hey, I'll be right down, you know, whatever. And, uh, I can, I can honestly depend on them. And those people that I will say besides mom, Besides yeah. the majority of those people are combat veterans that have served that I've either served with, or they've experienced what I've experienced and they get it. Uh, and they've taken the time to work on themselves. They've taken them time to listen. Like you said, and I've said it before, but I think a lot of people listen to respond, like, go ahead, hurry up and say what you want to say. So I can tell you my, my, my side of it and then not get anywhere. Yep. Instead of like, go ahead, tell me, tell me what you need to tell me. And I'm really going to listen to you, you know? Yeah. It, it has to, you have to be ready. You know, you have to have a strong mindset and be, Hey, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to change this course of my life. I, I can't do this, you know, because if you're not ready, it's never going to take effect and you're never going to let it. Um, you know, you just have to be, you have to push past a lot of things. You know, we all do a lot of things we don't want to do but we have to. And, uh, you know, that was one thing for me that, uh, I, I realized at that point in my life, I had to do, I had to listen to somebody for once and actually take their advice and not be a know-it-all. Um, and I'm glad I did because who knows where I would be, you know, after all that, um, it was just a lot of things at one time, man, you know, we lost our dad, you know, he died of cancer. That was, that was devastating. Yeah. I almost got killed in war. Um, my ex-girlfriend that I have a daughter to wasn't letting me see the kid and wanted me to sign my parental rights over. Uh, yeah, I mean, my parents were getting a divorce. It was just everything. One thing after another. I mean, if there is ever a time that I would have ever thought about taking my own life, that would have been it. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that never came to that, you know. Well, we're going we're gonna to end this part of the show, but uh, I – when I hear you say that, I mean, I lived through it and I had to see you go through it. I, I lived through dad dying and all the other stuff and had to see you, you struggling with everything. But my friend Kenny that was on here, he was Army Infantry. He was a, he was a what is it, a, uh, a Charlie. Uh, so as a mortarman in the infantry. Mortarman, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he said it's a smarter infantryman. 
don't know, that's what he called it. But uh <laughs> those are the guys that stay far away from the danger. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kenny's special, I guess. But uh no, he said he said, you know, if you can sit here right now and think back to your worst day, you're you're already ahead of the game because that was your worst day and it passed. And then your next one is going to pass too. And if you're still around to say, yeah, I, that was my worst day, then you're, you're doing good at life. And yeah, we did, man. But, uh, good way to put it. Yeah. But so we're going to stop right there for this episode. Um, this is, uh, this is kind of turned into a part one. I think this is an amazing conversation and I don't think I've really got in depth about a lot of this stuff with, with you. Um, but I, I definitely think this is going to be a part two to this. So we're going to, we're going to stop this for this one. We'll resume next week. And, uh, yeah, I was going to say, we, I think we need to have another one because, uh, enough about me. We gotta, we gotta talk about you, the little brother that overcame everything, you know? So let's get on that. We'll be 50, 50 for sure. Just like we were growing up. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. When you're the older brother or older sister, whatever, you're never right. You're always <laughs> wrong. Your parents are always going to side with the, the younger one, and it's just how it works. It never changes. So, you know, we got. I got to. It's definitely going to be a part two because I got some good things I want to talk to you about, and uh, you know, some things I'd like to ask you as well. So, I think it would be definitely a second one, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's do it, man. All right, everybody, thanks for uh, joining in this week. We hope you enjoyed this one. I know this is the first time we've kind of done this, and uh, it's very special to me to have my own brother on here and hear, you know, hearing our story growing up together and then going into the war as young men and where we're at now and what we've been through and everything. But uh, it's, it's a very – it's a journey that I wouldn't trade for anything, to be honest with you. But uh, tune in next week. And, uh, yeah, we will, uh, we'll see you then stay safe. Happy trails. Take care.